Blog Talk Radio. Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, 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 what's cracking? This is Darren Fatman McDuffie helping you become perfectly healthy and toned. And welcome back to another episode of Fat Man Radio, Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. Tonight, we have a special guest. Her name is Dr. Stacy Nottingham. But before I get to that, I wanted to actually have a couple of announcements for you. So I got my blog on this week. If you have not looked at the blog, please go to imthefatman.com. The title of the blog, and I hope I don't offend anyone, but I hope I make you think it's called Pimps, uh, Pimps, Hoes, and Tracks. So hopefully, hopefully that, that blog post will make you think. It's not what you think it is, but it will make you think. If you have not connected with me on Facebook, please do so. I'm at Facebook.com slash I'm the Fat Man. And also on Twitter, I'm at the Fat underscore Man. So please connect with me on Twitter. And without further ado, before I bring Dr. Stacy on, I wanted to read her bio. Dr. Nottingham focused on women's studies while earning her bachelor's degree from Gosher College. Hope I pronounced that correctly. She later graduated from Life College School of Chiropractic and is a board-certified doctor of chiropractic medicine. A published author in several scientific publications, Dr. Nottingham is an accomplished lecturer and speaker with appearances at medical conferences as well as on television and radio shows. Most recently, Dr. Nottingham was a guest on several episodes of The Suzanne Show with Suzanne Summers, and Suzanne Summers has a really great book if you have not read that. Awarded the honor of being one of America's top chiropractors in 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2013, Dr. Nottingham is currently the CEO of Beyond Biology, an anti-aging service offering state-of-the-art nutrient formulas and utilizing complex state-of-the-art laboratory studies. Beyond Biology changes the lives of people across the globe. And for Dr. Nottingham's website, her website is www.beyond-biology.com. I had that wrong on Facebook, so it is beyond-biology.com. And her number, in case you want to get in touch with her after the show to ask your questions, if you don't call in to ask questions now, her number is 1-888-908-0804. Again, 1-888-908-0804. So let me bring Dr. Stacy on the show. Dr. Stacy, are you there? I am. Hi, Darren. Hey, how are you? I'm great. I like the. Um, I don't think I've ever been um, introed with uh, pimps, hoes, and tracks. <laughs> <laughs> That's my first. <laughs> yeah, it's not what you think it is. It's actually talking about the medical system. I just try to get things out there and make people think and try to relate it to something that they are familiar with. So, thank you for that. Oh uh, yeah, I, li- I like it. Actually, I sound very boring after that. Should have just started with no. pimps, hoes, and tracks. And here's Stacy. <laughs> make me cool. No, so. Let's get right into it. I hope I did your bio justice, but I want you to kind of tell us our, our, uh, tell us about your journey and how you really you really got started, because I know you have an interesting story to uh, relate to the audience. Well, in terms of the in terms of weight loss, 
in terms of weight loss, um, I've been dieting since the age of 11, so I am a lifetime dieter, and I think that's probably why um, we're so successful with our weight loss program. Uh, myself and um, my business partner, Dr. Wasserman, has also lost uh, a lot of weight. So we're, we're always struggling and we're always forever dieting. Um, I've lost over 100 pounds three times in my life. Um, but recently I have, over the past 10 years, I've kept, I have kept my weight off. And I think that's just the name of the game is how do you actually, lots of us get to the goal, lots of us get to the goal for one day. Um, and then we journey back on gaining the weight back. So really the goal, is, it's, you know, anyone who's ever been on a program will tell you that it's easier, not easy, but easier to get to the goal than it is to keep the weight off. And, you know, I think that's probably, we can get everybody to the goal. That's not a problem for us. I think really what takes us to the next level is we really work on, um, before every, about 10 to 15 pounds before everybody reaches the goal, we really, we really harp on, it's, this is it. Yo-yo dieting really needs to end. And uh, we've been pretty successful with that, thank goodness, only because, you know, Dr. Gale and I have been successful ourselves. So we get it. Mm-hmm. We empathize. We empathize. And you can't fool us. We know all the tricks because we've done them all. <laughs> now, I was watching one of your, your YouTube videos, and you said you were dieting since the age of 11, and I found that mm-hmm. very hard to believe. And you were dying, dieting at the age of 11. What was your highest weight? My highest, my highest weight was close to 300 pounds, not at the age of 11. I, mm-hmm. I didn't weigh 300 pounds at the age of 11, but I was probably about 50 pounds overweight at the age of 11. Um, and, you know, and I never, I wasn't one of those kids who was picked on or anything like that, um, mm-hmm. but I was definitely overweight. Um, I was never skinny. Uh, my, you know, I guess, and my parents very, very lovingly, um, my mother and I actually went to a, a program together, I guess, so that she should, you know, I shouldn't feel uncomfortable um, dieting. So actually we went together and as a team we went on a program. Not that she really needed to go, but I guess I really needed to go. Um, and that was just the process of starting to lose and gaining it back and starting to lose and gaining it back and literally since the age of, uh, since the age of 11. But the big weight gain didn't happen until adult life, which is probably around the age of 30. Right. Or actually probably in the 20s is when it started. Right, and I, you mentioned on one of your videos when I was watching your lecture, you said that the doctor said that around 30 you had to kind of pull things together. What made you start to get committed to really trimming down and really staying, really keeping the course with this? Um, you know, I don't think any person who's trying to lose weight isn't really committed. I, I really believe that all of us are committed. We want to get to the goal, and we do crazy, crazy diets. I've, I've done every diet out there, from the cabbage soup diet to, you know, uh, Diet Center to Weight Watchers to Atkins to South Beach. I've done acupuncture in the ear. I mean, we've, we've all done all of them, and they're very hard diets to do, I have to tell you. Uh, so dieting, you know, people who are on diets and who are really suffering with weight, it's not that we don't have discipline because most people could not under, undergo the torture that we put ourselves through. Um, I, what happened with me at the age of 30 was my numbers, my blood test numbers started to change and the sugar mm-hmm. started to go up and the insulin started to go up. And uh, I had a very nice doctor who never made me feel uncomfortable about my weight um, just said to me, you know what, you're smart enough to know that right now you're healthy. However, these not, you're not, eventually you're going to run out of luck. 
and you are probably inevitably going to become a type 2 diabetic. And just for health reasons, if nothing else, you really need to try to get this together. Or more than likely, you're going to be, you're going to be a diabetic. So that's, that's really what started it for me. That's what really, really started it for me in the sense that I had already, remember, I had already lost 100 pounds multiple times. So this was the third time was a charm, and I said, okay, this is it. I really need to figure out how to keep, not just get to the goal, which was, then that's where the mindset really changed for me. Um, I could always get to the goal, always, and I don't know what's worse. You know, we deal with, you know, we have thousands and thousands of people that we work with, and I don't know if it's worse to never get to the goal, or I don't know if it's worse to actually get to the goal and lose it. So, you know, we, we go back and forth as to which one is more torturous. But the hardest part is, okay, now what do I need to do in order to just stop gaining the weight back? Stop gaining the weight back. And for me, uh, when I decided to take the emotional component out, I can't, I know that I'm an emotional eater. I don't think anyone who doesn't suffer with weight loss doesn't understand that there's an emotional component to eating. So I know that. I know that. I understand that. Um, I can't fix that. I like to eat. Food is a pleasure for me. There's no doubt about it. And I like to eat not just because I'm stressed. I like to eat for all the occasions. I like to eat for stress, for boredom, for happiness, for joy, for celebrating. It doesn't matter. It's just one of my big, big pleasures in life. And I don't know how to, uh, you know, extrapolate the emotions. So I said, okay, let's just go to the science. Let's just go mm-hmm. to the science, take the emotional out. You know you're an emotional eater. Some days you're going to win. Some days you're going to lose. Let's just take that out and go strictly on science and biology and get to the goal and scientifically keep the weight off. Emotionally, I know, and I failed. For you know, over 30 years, I failed. Right. I succeeded and failed, but in the end I failed. Mm-hmm. Right. How far did willpower take you? Because I know a lot of people – I even struggle with my weight um, a little bit uh, in my mid-30s, but I would always try to do things on willpower, like, hey, let me resist eating this Oreo or let me resist eating these M&Ms. How far did willpower actually take you, and when did you say, you know what, and maybe you never said this. This might just be something that's coming from me. You said, well, I can't Mm -hmm. do this with willpower alone. I'm going to have to tackle this thing with with something else. As I said, I don't think that anyone who is a lifetime dieter and willpower. I challenge anybody out there. No one can eat less than me, but unfortunately, there are not many people who can eat more than me. Mm-hmm. That, that's a pretty broad statement, and I'm talking <laughs> men included. I can eat. In, listen, you know, I didn't get heavy because I had a thyroid problem. I didn't get heavy because I had some kind of, you know, adrenal endocrine disease. You know, thank God I didn't. I ate my way to the large size. So I, you know, it had nothing to do with willpower. Because I have enormous amounts of discipline. You know, the, when I hit the goal, um, as I said, when I hit the goal, usually here's, here's what heavy people think. Or, you know, and I'm speaking for heavy people at my league of heavy person, you know, 40 pounds, mm-hmm. 60 pounds, 80 pounds. Um, we think thin people eat whatever they want. And we think that when we get to the goal, we're thin, which we are. So... We think thin people eat whatever they want, and I'm assuming that thin people eat what I want to eat because what I want to eat, and nothing has changed, by the way. It doesn't matter, 
you know, how far into nutrition I go. You know, there's, there's healthy Stacy, Dr. Stacy, owns a supplement company, all this stuff, you know, lectures and everything. And then there's human Stacy. And human Stacy always wants to eat grilled cheese sandwiches with potato chips and cookies. Not healthy, but I'm human. And that's, that's just, that's the reality. That's a fact for me. So when, when I think thin people eat whatever they want, um, I'm assuming that they want to eat those things at the quantity, and I think that they do, at the quantity that I was eating. Well, no thin person does that. And it took me 40 years to realize that thin people work very hard at being thin, very hard. They say no when I was saying yes. And it wasn't that their metabolism was any better than my metabolism because I didn't have any thyroid problem. I wished for a thyroid problem. I had no thyroid problem whatsoever. So once I realized that, I said, okay, thin people work very hard at being thin. Um, They don't eat whatever they want. I need to be, and it's the hardest thing I ever had to say to myself, if I want to be thin, I have to be on a diet for the rest of my life because I will always want to eat fattening foods. That doesn't change. If I love carrots and broccoli, which I don't, I eat them because I want to be thin, Mm -hmm. if I really loved those things, then I wouldn't have the problem. But it's never going to be my first choice. And that took me a long time to realize it's never going to be my first choice. Now, you mentioned eating those things, uh, cookies and grilled cheese sandwiches and potato chips. It sounds like to me like it's a borderline addiction. Is that a fair assumption, or am I just totally off base with that? You know, that's a great question. Um, I always call, you know, I just randomly called myself a food addict, um, not really doing any um, research or any education. I just assumed I was addicted to food, not knowing much about addiction. So uh, a very good friend of mine, a very good colleague of mine, is a very well-known psychologist, and she said to me, you know, and she was at one of my conferences and said, you know, Stace, you're really not an addict. I said, I'm not? I was actually a little disappointed because I figured, you know, that would explain my eating problem. She said, no, you're not an addict. And she actually came over one afternoon and showed me a book, and it showed me a whole section on, um, you know, food addicts that actually when they, and this is food addicts, I'm not talking about other addictions, but food addicts, when they eat, don't enjoy the food. They don't get pleasure from it. Not the case for me. Ultimate source of pleasure for me is food, love food, you know, pleasure in my mouth. It actually makes me happy. So if you can relate to that term, then unfortunately you are in my world of food. Um, she, you know, she said people who are food addicts have very low self-esteem. Um, they're, you know, they're very self-destructive. Um, they don't have a lot of pride in themselves. Um, um, they are very, you know, almost on the level of um, self-sabotage. Um, their morals and values go out the window. Um, their confidence level is gone and shot. And she said, you know, that's not you. She says, what I think you are is something called a situational eater. Mm-hmm. And it's the situations that trigger you to eat. And I really thought about it, and I said, and I thought about all of the big weight gains in my life or You know, were they situations? And they were, because you know what? I always got to the goal when I was ready to go back to the goal again. Mm -hmm. What were some of the situations that actually made you want to overeat, if you don't mind sharing? No, no, I don't mind. But I told you, I love to eat for every situation. So if there was a death in the family or, you know, someone very close to us had passed away, 
Um, that was, you know, uh, that was a situation. Um, and then, of course, celebrating happy times also. You know, for, remember, you know, food is a pleasure for me. So it's not just during the stressful, bad times. It's also during the really great, fantastic times because that's my source of celebration because it brings yeah. me more pleasure. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's every family because whenever we get together, my family it's like cookies, cakes, <laughs> food is love. Food is yeah, love. Okay, let's blame mom. That's always helpful. Let no take yeah. responsibility, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, just a quick break right here, Dr. Stacy. If anybody has a question, I see some people in the, the switchboard. If you have a question, hit one on the switchboard so I know you have a question. And I will bring you on the air with uh, Dr. Stacy. If you are out there listening in uh, Radio Land, the number to call in is 646-716-9371. Again, 646-716-9371. Hit one on the switchboard, and I will know that you have a question, and I will bring you on the air. So, Dr. Stacy, let's get into this whole thing um, can since you beyond biology, let's get into the biology of fat and talking about fat and talking about carbs. You did a really good uh, lecture on that. I watched your whole lecture last night. Even I had to actually forego my bedtime. I normally go to bed to make sure I get your whole lecture. But, Thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> but yeah, that that YouTube uh, lecture, and um, you can go on. What I'll do after the show is I will put Doctor. Uh, Dr. Stacy's YouTube lecture, and you can watch that, and she gives a very good explanation of the whole fat thing and the insulin and everything, and really, really simple to understand as well. So let's get into that. Let's start talking about insulin, sugar. Uh, you mentioned those things earlier in the show, uh, and let's get into carbs and all that. Okay. Um, before, we, before we do that, I just want to make a note. Um, this weekend, um, mm-hmm. we are. I'm doing – Three, I, I do CME credits for doctors. So we're actually traveling to Orlando, and it's our biggest weight loss lecture of the year. So I will actually be doing a weight loss lecture for three hours, and we are going to film it. So go to beyond-biology.com, and mm-hmm. hopefully next week we're going to post the video, and you will be able to watch three. It's everything and everything you ever wanted to know about weight loss, every little scientific detail. Um, so that's actually going to be, that will be posted also uh, this weekend on, on our site. So just want to let you know. Okay, so insulin and sugar. Well, here's the issue. I think that um, one of the biggest misnomers, and this was for me too, um, you know, one of my, and I told you, I have done so many plights for dieting, it's actually, I have to laugh or I cry. However, you know, I look back now, and although I've gone through, you know, 30 years of torture, it has made me an expert. Mm-hmm. You know, literally it has made me an expert. So one of the things that really was very startling for me uh, was the premise of carbohydrates. And um, I actually was a vegetarian for um, about four years because that was another one of my uh, as I said, I have tried everything. I wasn't just a vegetarian because I'm, I'm, I'm extremist. That wasn't serious enough. I was vegan. Vegan, mm. so, right. So we eliminated the dairy too. Um, mm. And I found that uh, I, was, I gained an enormous amount of weight on that because all I ate was carbs, carbs, carbs. And what I was eating was good carbs. And I think that this is a very big misnomer out there is what is the difference between good carbs and bad carbs? 
Mm-hmm. And in my mind, now you have to remember, and, and, and I'm not, you know, I, I need people to understand that there's Dr. Stacy, who's, you know, has it pretty much together and understands the science, but then there's human Stacy, who has the eating problem. So the human Stacy, you know, speaks a whole lot louder in the food area than the Dr. Stacy. So in my mind, there's only one reason to call uh, any kind of food good, and that is it doesn't make you fat. Otherwise, what good is it? Like broccoli is good for you. Why? Because it doesn't make you fat. Uh, Apples are good for you. Why? Because they don't make you fat. So if carbs are good for me, good carbs, they shouldn't make me fat. Right? Make sense? Right. So I said, okay, I'm going to eat only the good carbs. So, And I did. I was very regimented. I ate the brown rice. I went to the yams. I had the quinoa. I did it, you know, and I was vegan. So this was really very much at my, you know, at my array. So I became very, very um, um, educated in all of these particular good carbs. However, carbs get converted to sugar, and if you don't burn them off, they get stored as what? Fat. There you go. And we say this all the time. Everybody knows this saying, we, including myself, and suddenly what happens? We don't listen to it. So mm-hmm. carbs get converted to sugar, and if we don't burn them off, it gets stored as fat, even the good carbs. The only difference between the good carbs and the bad carbs is that the, uh, the good carbs get there a little bit slower. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's now, all. So once I realized that, I said, okay, every single time I eat a carb, I have to assume it's converting to sugar because it is. Right. Now, does that include vegetables, too? Because in a, in, a, in a civilized world, we say vegetables are good. And one of the things that you hear out there is that you can eat as much vegetables as you want to eat, but you're saying that that's not true. Nope, I'm not saying that. You can eat okay. as much vegetables as you want. The pro- Here's the thing with vegetables. And now you're talking, now this is coming from me. I'm not talking to a real, you know, the real diehard vegetarians are very, very slim and very, very fit. I was probably the only fat vegetarian. I mean, I was mm-hmm. very, very heavy because I was not eating the broccoli. That was not my choice. I mean, that, you know, if I, if, if I was eating only the broccoli and the kale and uh, turnips, and, um, you, know, you know, wheatgrass, then I would not have had the weight problem. But that was not my choice. I was eating the other good carbs, which was the rice, the honey, the agave, the quinoa, the spelt bread. It doesn't taste very good. For, to me, it didn't taste very good. So I figured if it doesn't taste all that great, it must not be that fattening. But that doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter. Carb still converts to a sugar. So, I, we, you know, we don't tell anybody you know, uh, when, when we put people on programs or we suggest programs, we say eat all the fruit and vegetables you want because there isn't any heavy person who's getting heavy because they're eating fruits and vegetables. I'm not worried about you overeating on broccoli. Is that really going to happen? And how many apples are you really going to eat? Mm-hmm. And carrot cake is not a vegetable. <laughs> what about fruit? We, we, fruit, and they, they have this ongoing debate on fruit that um, – you're eating fruit, but fruit also contains sugar, also contains fructose. And there's this ongoing debate about fruit is good, fruit is bad. What's been your take at I actually can't, working you know, with I'm people? not worried about fruit. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about fruit. I don't know anyone who gains weight from eating apples and oranges. Now, you have to eat them, chew them, don't not juice them. Juicing mm-hmm. 
and putting them in a smoothie is completely different. You know, you can juice 12 apples and get an ounce of apple juice. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, I dare you to eat 12 apples. You can't do that. <laughs> You're not going to do that. Now, I could eat um, 10 apples in an apple pie. That's totally different. But to actually eat 10 apples, you're not going to do it. And if you do it, you're going to do it once, and you'll never do it again. Right, right. So eat it. Eat it and chew it. I'm not worried about fruit. Now, I'm not talking about health. I'm talking about weight loss. If you're that, you know, insulin resistant where fruit is going to spike up your sugar, well, I mean, I really think that, um, you know, if, if that's the case and you're very severe diabetic and fruit really affects you that way, then I guess you'd have to. But generally in weight loss, fruit's not, you know, except for bananas. I try to tell people, try to stay away from the bananas. And then, of course, I get the, I'm low in potassium. Well, show me the blood test that you're low in potassium, first of all. And if you are low in potassium, take a potassium, you know, over-the-counter supplement. Mm-hmm. You don't need mm-hmm. the banana. Right. What about, you mentioned this on your video, and uh, I thought it was profound. Uh, you talked about, Foods that actually convert into sugar. Everything when we eat it, it's it turn it's turned into glucose, which is a form of sugar our body uses for energy. But um, you mentioned specific foods. You said like white rice, potatoes, those type of foods. Like what I would consider white foods. Can you talk about that? Well, not just every carb though. And and you see, mm-hmm. you're you're falling into the same. See, we have food, Darren. Then we have smart, Darren. Right? <laughs> so food, Darren says, okay, well, white potatoes are bad, but you know, brown rice is good. Doesn't make a difference. Uh-huh. You know, the carb is going to convert to sugar. When carbs convert to sugar, um, there's sugar in the blood. And anytime there's sugar in the blood, the pancreas gets notified. Then the pancreas releases the director of sugar, and the director of sugar is insulin. And then mm-hmm. insulin travels up to sugar and latches onto sugar, and now they're a team. And as a team, they have to go circulate throughout the body. And they decide, are we burning it off for energy? Well, if I'm gaining weight, I'm telling you I'm not burning it off. So the body says, okay, can't burn it off for energy, but that's all right. We still need sugar stored, so it knocks on the door of the liver, and it says, hey, liver, you got any room in there? And the liver says, you know what, I'm really sorry. You've been eating so many carbs, it's converted to so much sugar, parking lot is full, no more room. Body says, okay, no problem, I'm now going to knock on the door of the muscle. Not a muscle, every muscle in your body. You got any room, you got any room, you got any room. Muscle says, you know what, I wish I could help you. You've been eating so many carbs, you've taken up and you've got so much sugar, or you've just been eating sugar, Uh, parking lot in the muscle is full. So what happens? Sugar starts to rise in the blood because you're not burning it off and it has no place to store. So sugar rises, and what disease is linked with high sugar in the blood? I would say diabetes. There you go. And that's how people become type 2 diabetics. They literally are eating so fast or eating such large quantities that they can't burn it off fast enough and there's no more room to store it. However, your body says, you know what? I really love, I, love, I love you, and I don't want you to become a type 2 diabetic. So I'm going to take that sugar, and I'm going to convert it to something else. And the body's right, because better to have higher fat or higher triglycerides than to be a diabetic. So the body takes the sugar and converts it to fat. So now we're going to say carbs get converted to sugar, 
And if we don't burn them off, it gets stored as what? Fat. There you go. And that's exactly what happens. When the carb, when you're eating the carbs and you have so much sugar and you're eating sugar and you can't burn it off and you have no place to store it, your body says, I'm not going to become a diabetic. Carbs get converted to sugar. I don't burn them off. I'm storing it as fat. So it takes it and makes a fat droplet. And then it takes that fat droplet, puts it in the fat cell, and bloop, the fat cell gets bigger. And that continues. And bloop, the fat cell gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and Stacy gets bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> now, and that's how we all gain weight. Right. Now, talking about carbs, um, there's a lot of proponents out there of low-carb diets. Are you a proponent of a low-carb diet, knowing what you know think, now with carbs? I think everybody's a, pro- I think everybody's a proponent of a low-carb diet. Um, even, you know, if you go to, um, you know, all the diets out there, they have the low-carb options. Mm-hmm. You, have the lo- you have the low-carb options. There is no diet out there that's high-carb, I could tell you that much. There are controlled carbs. But there's no high carb diets out there. Yeah, I mean, we were. Uh, I mean, when I was growing up, everything was high carb. I played basketball. It's like, oh, okay, you got to eat, load up on carbs before you go out and then and, and play, or whatever. So it was always high carb. And then within the last, I think, what five years or so, maybe more than that, everybody's now low carb and more advocating the the low carbs. And there's even some studies out there, and you might be a little bit more versed on us, that they're saying that the more carbs you eat, it kind of affects your brain and ages you. So, um, you know, I don't know about that. But let's get into um, things that we, the carbs are going to convert to sugar. Can we stop that? What can we use to actually stop that? We can. In fact, every single part of the pathway that we just spoke about, and that's what we do. And that's really what we do best, is we hit, and this is what, you know, I had to come up with when I decided, okay, I have to hit the science. Forget the emotional eating. I can't handle, I can't figure out the answer to that problem. I know I have it, so I'm just going to put that aside because that's just not working for me. I'm just going to hit the science and let the science get me to the goal. So what we're going to do is, or what we do, is we block carbs. And you can block carbs by using something called a carb blocker, which is very popular. It's white kidney bean. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, that is not to say that you should eat white kidney beans Mm because beans are very high in carbs. So what they do is they actually extrapolate a component. The phaseolus vulgaris gets extrapolated out of the white kidney bean and that's something called an amylase inhibitor because you need an amylase enzyme to convert carbs to sugar. So you take a carb blocker and it stops the carbs from converting to sugar. So the problem's not the carb. The problem is we run the risk of it converting to sugar, but more importantly, we run the risk of if we don't burn it off, it gets stored as fat and makes us fatter. Yeah, you. Um, I, I saw the white kidney bean. There was also something else you, you mentioned as well. Um, I think it was green tea is, is something yep. good. Okay, so green tea, green tea is a little different. Green mm-hmm. tea lowers sugar. So the whole premise of weight loss is the body source of fuel is sugar. So in, or, you know, in order for your heart to beat, in order for your lungs to breathe, the foundation molecule is sugar. It goes into the Krebs cycle and makes something called ATP, which is energy. Mm-hmm. Um, However, every system in the body has a backup system. So if you wake up in the morning and you skip breakfast and you jump in your car and you haven't eaten any food and you haven't had anything, well, now you have low sugar. 
If the body source of energy is sugar, how is your heart still beating? How are your lungs still breathing if you haven't eaten? Well, the answer is the body's backup system is a fat cell. So if you keep the sugar down in the blood, you can actually burn the fat, the actual fat droplet in the fat cell for energy so that your body can function. And that's what you want to do. You want to lower sugar and burn fat for energy. And you can do that. Yes, green tea is nice. It's mild, but it's really a nice, lovely way to start that. We're much more aggressive. We like the West African mango or something called Irvingia. Irvingia releases something called adiponectin in the fat cells, and uh, adiponectin increases the insulin response so that insulin attaches on at a very powerful manner to the sugar and actually really helps to get it out of the body. So we love the West African mango for lowering sugar, and when you lower sugar, you burn fat for energy. So by sitting, thinking, listening, just breathing, instead of burning sugar, you're burning fat. Mm-hmm. Now, that, you're, yeah, you're talking about supplements. There's a lot of supplements out there, and I know I fell for the supplement thing with um, what did I use? I would always try to get cut and ripped and jacked or whatever they call it now, <laughs> and yeah. I would just fall for like Lean System 7 and things like that, and they would never work for me. But these are things that will actually work for people, the things that you're describing, right? Well, I mean, the first thing we, need, the first thing we tell people is you have to pick a program. You know, without you can't eat whatever you want, and meaning in my world of whatever you want. So if you're eating grilled cheese sandwiches, potato chips, and some kind of cake and brownie, because we like to mix the salt and the sugar, um, mm-hmm. then there's no pill out there. I mean, we have diabetics who are on metformin who take insulin injections. It doesn't get any stronger than that, and they're still gaining weight. So without the diet, you have to pick a program. We say anybody who wants to lose more than five pounds Pick a program. I don't care which program. And if you're not sure which program you want, give me a call. I'll talk it through with you. You know, if you know, you have to really be very honest with your personality. If you like a little bit of this and a little bit of that, Weight Watchers is terrific. If you don't want to think about anything, I like Atkins because I can't be thinking about food all day long. It just tells me what I can eat and what I can't eat, and I eat fruits and vegetables. And then what we do is we get people to the goal faster. That's what we do. We get people to the goal faster, and we help you keep the weight off. But the program, the diet is essential. It's essential. So uh, if someone's eating four cups of rice, I mean, you can take two car blockers, but, I mean, it's still just a car blocker. You can Mm -hmm. eat four cups of rice and give yourself an insulin injection. It's still four cups of rice. You're not going to burn that off. Right. So right. you have to pick a pick a program. Right. Um, let's get in. We were talking about insulin a, a little while ago, and I didn't ask this question, but you had a combination of insulin and also cortisol. Can you talk about that? Because I think cortisol was big like five years ago. You'd hear about cortisol all the time. Now you don't hear much about it anymore. Can you kind of talk about that? Sure. Um, well, um, you, you've heard of stress, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that has. anybody's stressed, but we've heard of stress, right? <laughs> Not that anybody yeah. has any stress whatsoever. Um, but stress, when we have stress, stress releases something called uh, cortisol. And cortisol comes from the adrenal glands, which are located on top of the kidney. And when, cor- when stress goes up, cortisol goes up. And when cortisol goes up, 
something called leptin goes down. And leptin is your I'm full cutoff switch. So, you know, you're familiar with um, stress eating, comfort foods? That's exactly. I was just going to tell you that because every time when you're stressed out, it seems like you always want to reach for that uh, honey bun, the sweet, you know, sweet rolls or something sweet. I don't know why it's like that, but that, that, that makes perfect sense. Okay, so here let me, so let's, let's explain to you why that happens. When cortisol, when stress goes up, cortisol goes up. When cortisol goes up, leptin goes down, which means hunger goes up. Hunger goes up. Now, when you're stressed, are you generally happy? No. <laughs> exactly. So your body says, okay, not happy, but I want Darren to be happy. That's not the state I want him in. So I need to raise something called serotonin. And serotonin is your happy neurotransmitter. And the fastest way to raise serotonin is through celery? Sugar? Yeah, it's through sugar and carbs. So your body purposely makes you hungry and then starts the cravings for carbs and sugar to raise your serotonin so that you can feel happier so you can deal with your stress. What the body doesn't know is that when I gain six pounds the next day, I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You go back to being but fat. It's going for, right, it's going for that emergency. It's really going for the emergency response. Cortisol and stress are really a fight. It's really linked with the fight-or-flight response. So it's really an ancient mechanism that hasn't really, our bodies, it hasn't really updated to the modern body. So, in, you know, in ancient times where, you know, people, you know, the gladiators were fighting saber-toothed tigers or you were hunting your food or you were defending your villages, that was the cortisol stress. You had this enormous physical activity um, that happened, and then you would burn off all these carbs and fat, and therefore leptin would drop, cortisol goes up, you start craving carbs and sugar to replenish and replace all of the fats and sugars and carbs that you burnt while you were doing all this physical fighting. Today's stress, though, is not physical. It's mental. Mm-hmm. Not that it's not happening. It's happening. So if you emotionally perceive stress, meaning that you are fearing that your life or your safety is at some kind of risk, your body kicks into the same survival mode drops the leptin, and increases the cravings for carbs and sugar. Right. Let's talk about, you were talking about leptin, but we didn't get a chance to really define what that is. Let's just define what that is for the audience. Leptin is a hormone, actually it's very interesting. You would think that your fat cells just sit there and do nothing. That's not the case. Your fat cells actually help and really want to try to keep you thin. Your fat cells release something called leptin, And your leptin is a hormone that dives into the hypothalamus of the brain to tell you you're full. When people who are very overweight, they've actually done studies where they thought that people who were very overweight, like myself, they thought maybe we had low levels of leptin. And that's why we kept eating and eating and eating. You're supposed to eat, you know, five meals, five, you know, one meal five times a day. You're not supposed to eat one meal for five hours. And people like me were nighttime eaters. Nighttime eaters, we eat for five to seven hours all night long. It goes on for hours and hours and hours. So I never really have, we, where we don't have this I'm full cutoff switch. So they actually did a great clinical study on rats and then on humans um, mm-hmm. where they injected people with leptin who were obese, and the results were actually bad in the sense that these people didn't lose weight, 
their hunger wasn't diminished, and, uh, in fact, some people actually gained weight. And what they found was people who have high levels of leptin, when, you have high, when, you have, when, you have, when you're very overweight, it's not that our fat cells aren't working, our fat cells are working. So we're overproducing, meaning our body is super saturated in leptin. Leptin has to cross into the brain. The brain is very, very protective. So when we have something that's being, you know, enormously overproduced, body's very smart. It says, you know what, I'm not listening to you. You, have, you are way out of line here. You have insurmountable levels. In fact, I'm totally ignoring you. I'm not allowing you to go into the brain. So those poor people who were overweight, who received leptin injections, they already had high, left, high levels, not low levels, and they made them even higher. Mm-hmm. But it was a good result. It was a good study in the sense that we learned overweight people have high levels of leptin, so high that the body ignores it. Now, when they did those injections, it didn't make them gain any weight. It just didn't have an effect on them. Not no, losing. it made them gain weight. They got hungrier. Oh, wow. Sure. Oh, okay. They got hungrier and hungrier and hungrier because less leptin was being let in. Okay. The more now, leptin, the super saturated you are, the less the, the brain's very protective, very hard to get anything into the brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we know about leptin. Let's kind of bounce back to the liver. Um, and liver kind of stores that uh, glycogen uh, when it comes to helping with fat metabolism and all that. Um, with people, when you're working with people, do you do any type of detoxification for the liver? Is that important or not important? Or you, you tell me. Um, I think detox is, is very important, I, but, you know, a real detox you can't do in three days or a re- de- real detox you can't do in two days. I'm not um, – I like the concept of detox, but what I will say, and this is in all honesty, you can change your body in as, qu- in as soon as 24 hours. So as soon as someone makes a change, for example, you go on a program and you eliminate sugar, you are starting a detox program you are starting to clean out. Once you start eliminating all the toxins that you're putting into your body, your body will work better. So do you have to do a full detox? And if you have to do a full detox, which, you know, I was um, uh, worked with Gary Null for a year, and he did a one-year detox program. That's, that's pre- you know, it takes a long time to truly detox the body. However, every day you have the ability to detox your body, even just by drinking water. By drinking lots and lots of water, um, you know there are ways to make room in the liver so that sugar can store there, and that's by taking something called seven keto. So if you take seven keto DHEA, uh, it makes room in the liver so you can store sugar in the liver. And if you store sugar in the liver where it's supposed to go, by the way, um, you don't it doesn't store as fat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned in one, when I was looking at one of your lectures, you said lifetime dieters are not hungry. Can you explain that statement? Lifetime dieters are not hungry. Um, well, I think what you're referring to is when we sit down to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. People who are naturally thin people, when naturally thin people sit down to eat, they're hungry. 
meaning they sit down to eat, they're hungry, they take their first fork full of food, and it tastes delicious, it's very satisfying. They take their fourth, fifth, sixth fork full of food, it's very enjoyable, information from the brain to the stomach, from the stomach to the brain, the stomach starts to distend. By the eighth or ninth fork full of food, the, stomach, the, the, the um, food becomes bland, and you know, the stomach starts to distend, food is not appetizing, fork goes down, um, and there's food left on the plate. Then when someone like me sits down to eat, um, generally speaking, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. I take my first fork full of food, and now, if I like it, of course, uh, I take my first fork full of food, and, oh, it tastes delicious. I take my second or my third fork full of food, oh, that tastes really good. You know, I haven't eaten anything all day. I must be hungry. So instead of my appetite decreasing, my appetite is now increasing. So by the fifth or sixth or seventh fork full of food, I'm convinced, you know, very little information from the brain to the stomach, from the stomach to the brain. Um, my stomach is not distending. My stomach doesn't distend until about 20 minutes after I eat. Um, and the food for me tastes better and better. It doesn't taste blander and blander. That's assuming I like the food. So let's say I'm eating something that I really, really enjoy. The food mm -hmm. tastes better and better, and by the eighth or ninth fork full of food, and I still have food on my plate, I'm looking at my plate and I'm thinking, I hope there's more for seconds and I haven't even finished. And that's one of the big problems that the nighttime eaters have because cortisol levels are supposed to be highest in the morning and lowest at night, where ours are reversed. My cortisol levels are lowest in the morning, or at least they were. They're not anymore and then they go higher and higher at night. And when your cortisol levels are high, we said there's comfort food, right? We like to eat. So when cortisol levels go up, leptin levels go down, hunger goes up, and we crave carbs and sugar. Yeah. Do you work with your, your clients in, in helping them balance out those cortisol levels so where they're high of in course. the morning and one night? Absolutely. You know, you can get a saliva test. That's terrific. You, have mm -hmm. to, you know, you have to spit in a tube, and it's a, a ridiculous amount of saliva. Very hard to do. You'd be very surprised. Yeah. What about blood sugar issues? How do you work with, or is that a fair assumption that people who are overweight have blood sugar issues? You know, it's not necessarily the case. And for myself, I did not have high blood sugar. Um, I had high insulin. I had high insulin um, because insulin's job is to keep the sugar down. Um right. So my, my insulin was going up, and that was, that was a big factor for me. And remember, if you're healthy, your body's going to take those sugar numbers and convert it to triglycerides. So for many people, their glucose comes in at 92, but their triglycerides are 300. So they're not worried about sugar. But the only reason their triglycerides are 300 is because what? We say carbs get converted to sugar, and if we don't burn them off, they get stored as fat, and that fat on a blood test is called triglycerides. That's how I know if someone is sticking to the program or not. Yeah, because their right. sugar numbers are okay, and their triglycerides don't change, it has to change. Right. Oh, those triglyceride levels are going, are going to go down, too, if they're sticking to the program, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned some strategies with supplements, white kidney bean. Uh, we talked about green tea. There was something that caught my eye on the video, and it caught my eye because I was thinking, but I know it's not the same thing, but I was thinking of when you said it, it was uh, centered around 
propylmanin, but when you talked about the way that it, when you ate it, and, and you can explain it, but I thought back to it. Are you familiar with Miracle Noodles, the Miracle Noodle things? I love the Miracle Noodles. <laughs> That's what I thought about when I, when I was, uh, when you were standing up in the lecture, at Purple Manor, and it took me back to Miracle Noodles. I'm like, oh, that sounds just like Miracle Noodles. But share that with the audience because they probably don't have any idea what we're talking about. Uh, miracle Noodles are um, a noodle that is a carb-free noodle. Uh, it's made from a mushroom. It comes from a mushroom. Um, you can actually, there's a, there's a website. I don't know if it's still on our website or not, but you can actually go to MiracleNoodle.com, and they are actually carb-free noodles. They have um, carb-free flour. It's the most brilliant thing. They have carb-free rice, rigatoni, fettuccine. It is, it, it's, it, it's a blessing, and we, we suggest it all the time. It's the only carb-free pasta that's out there, and it is fantastic. It is very, very dense, though. You know, yeah. it's, it's, very, it's very dense and very, very heavy. But I like that because I like, I like that lead feeling in, in the stomach. Um, the other thing that uh, I think that's really important to talk about is something called calcium pyruvate. And calcium pyruvate for us is um, the real secret weapon. And that's the real life changer for so many of our customers and so many of the stores that carry our products. Um, calcium pyruvate is, if I had to you know, somehow deem a miracle pill, that's probably the closest thing to the magic pill in my mind. Remember, I'm the, I'm the, you know, these are things that I'm looking for. Um, calcium pyruvate uh, takes, remember we said carbs get converted to sugar, Every time there's sugar in the blood, insulin travels up to sugar, and then together they decide, are we burning it off for energy? And calcium pyruvate takes your digested food that you've eaten and burns it off for energy. It is exercise in a bottle. It is the most brilliant product. I, we love this product. I'm sharing it with you um, as a gift uh, to your viewers, because we keep this very hush-hush. It's a really big, it's a big secret because it's a really big, it's our secret weapon in our, you know, with the customers that we work with. Uh, but calcium pyruvate, we call it thermazine. Um, you can take anywhere. It has to be taken with food, towards the end of food, or after food. So it takes the food that you eat and burns it off for energy. So for people like me who I do exercise, but I hate it, um, this really just, takes it to a whole nother level. So it takes the food you eat and burns it off for energy, converts it to ATP. Yeah, I just wrote that down. So uh, anybody who did not get that, it will be on the show. You just have to listen to the show again, but it's calcium pyruvate. Now I'm going to throw out, we're like 10 minutes before the show actually ends. I'm going to throw out some questions to you and just get your opinion on them. Uh, mm -hmm. First one is, uh, do diets work? Sure. If you follow them. Mm -hmm. You have to follow every diet works. I've, and I'm not kidding. I, I actually have part of my lecture. Um, I have two slides in very small print, um, all the diets that I've tried. Every single diet works. You have to follow the diet. And you need to realize that when you get to your goal, you need to stay on the diet. And I think that's the big misnomer, where we get to our goal and we get so excited that we go out and celebrate and how do we celebrate? We go out and eat. And since we're mm -hmm. celebrating, what kind of food are we eating? Carbs. 
Of course, because it's a celebration. <laughs> it's not a punishment. Yeah. So That's it's hard. a celebration. So those are the foods that we're eating. One of the big things that we tell our people um, is that when you hit your goal, do not go out and celebrate. You are to hold that number for 30 days. That, that was life-changing for me, and I wish I could remember the person who told me that. They said, you know, stop celebrating the day that you hit. Because the day that I hit my goal, I'm, I'm literally that night, I'm back to regaining my weight back. Hold that number for 30 days. It took me over four months to hold my number. So let's say your number is 140 pounds. If it's 140 pounds and you go down to 138, that's okay. 139, that's okay. If you go to 142, you have to start the 30 days all over again. It took me over four months to hold my 140. Why do you think that is? Because you did a lot of celebrating? Um, no, I think uh, the bo- it takes 30 days for your body to create a new set point. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, and literally every single time in the past, I hit the number, and that's it. I just started gaining weight back again. And your body has memory cells, so it knows exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Said, oh, here we go again. She's celebrating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Next, next question, Doctor Stacy, is um, how many people are there actually have a slow thyroid that keeps them from burning fat, and how many people are just saying, "Oh, I got a slow thyroid"? How many people actually have that? Well, I don't know how I don't know how many people actually have a slow thyroid. I know that I I could tell you that. I have people who come in to see us and they pray that they, that nobody wants a diseased thyroid, but everybody would like a slow thyroid, you know, a little bit of a slow thyroid, because somehow we think that slow thyroids um, is the answer to the weight problem. I could tell you that you can weigh out. Now, uh, let me say this. If you do have a slow thyroid and you get on thyroid medication, it's life-changing, It's life-changing because you feel so much better. Your cortisol is now balanced. You know, it's the best way to balance cortisol is through through the thyroid. Um, You'll have so much more energy. You'll sleep better. The mind is clearer. So, you know, I'm a strong proponent for, you know, natural thyroid medication like Armour or Naturethroid. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I guarantee you, promise you, that you can weigh out your thyroid medication. So if you're hoping the thyroid medication is going to be the reason that you're going to lose 60 pounds by taking a half a grain of armor, not going to happen. Mm, yeah, I'm but on that. you will, but you will, but you will feel so much better, and you will, it will help you get to your goal. But it's not your end all be all. You still have to pick a program. Yeah, um, two more questions, and then I will let you go for the night. Uh, Men versus women in, in weight loss. A lot of women think that it's easier for men to lose weight. Um, I don't know if I'm going to side on that. I think, yeah, that might be a little bit true. What's your opinion on that? I, 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 I do think it's true, and I'll tell you why. Um, men, women store estrogen and fat. Mm-hmm. So as, especially as we get older. As we get older and our estrogen levels go down, our body wants to store estrogen, and it wants to store it, and for whatever reason, it doesn't go to the breast. It goes right to the belly, to the thighs, and to the, and to the stomach area, and that's because that's where our organs are located. So the body starts to store extra fat so that it can store estrogen so that when we go through menopause and we lose our estrogen, um, we have reserves. Now, men 
they're, they actually store um, in their t- their testosterone goes in goes to muscle. Their testosterone doesn't store in fat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for us, just uh, now diet wise, yes. I think that it, you know, uh, much harder for women because we have an estrogen storage problem. Our body wants to store it in fat. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of men that have some estrogen problems now too. So. Well, they do. Uh, well, and the men who have the big bellies really need to have mm-hmm. their estrogen levels tested. But that's different. They're they're suffering because, and it's true, they have excess estrogen in the belly. However, the natural anatomy of men is really testosterone stores in the muscle. Right. Our estrogen doesn't store in muscle. Estrogen stores in fat. Right, for women. Um, last yep. question, and I'm going to put you on the spot on this one. Uh-oh. We have not said one thing about exercise. Does exercise make you lose weight? Exercise absolutely makes you lose weight, no doubt about it. Um, I never tell anybody to exercise because, A, they don't listen to me, and, <laughs> B, they, um, you know, when you're 80 pounds overweight, truthfully, um, you don't feel comfortable in the gyms. And that's the reality. The gyms are really for pretty fit people. So I really think I'd love to come up with just a gym for heavy people, for heavy people or former heavy people. So that's where we feel comfortable. So I usually tell people the first 30 days you are not allowed to exercise. Only focus on the food and the supplements. And most of them I hear a sigh of relief. It's the, it's the, you know, the pressure goes down. But I guarantee you that at the end of the 30 days, when they lose their first 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, you think they don't exercise? Yeah, they, because they, they actually Everybody feel Everybody does. They're so excited. They can't wait to get going. So I don't have to say it. Everybody does. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. And when they're ready is when I want them to do it. Because if you lower sugar, you can burn fat for energy. And eventually everybody exercises. And I don't have to insult anybody's intelligence. Everybody knows exercise is good for you. Yeah. All right. That's all the questions I have for you. And they can get in contact with you or go view your website at, at www.beyond- I'm not going to forget that dash because my <laughs> fat dash, man, so beyond-biology. Dot com And they can also call you. Your number, your toll-free number is one eight 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 nine zero eight zero eight zero four, And that is Beyond Biology. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show, Dr. Stacey. And you're going to come back on, right? We, we Absolutely. Any time. Okay. Cool. Thanks for being on the show tonight. Thank you and for having I, me, Darren. Thank you. And I will be in touch. Terrific. Have a good night. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Good show tonight. Hope you learned a lot about fat loss. Uh, Dr. Stacy gave a lot of good tips. Uh, next month, in the month of May, we're going to have a, some great shows. And I'm, what I'm going to do is actually post those uh, on Facebook in advance. So the first week of May, the first Wednesday in May, I'm going to have Dr. Allison C. Becker. We're going to have her on talking about uh, – She's going to be talking about SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, and also talking about bone broth as well. The second week, I'm going to have uh, Eric Neese from The First Real World. If you're an old head like I am, you probably remember The First Real World on MTV. And Eric is really doing some great things. Uh, He's gotten into food and how to help people uh, with food and with addictions and stuff. So he's going to have some, some great things. 
I'm looking at having Dr. Shauna Young. She's a a naturopath. She's going to be coming on and talk about her book. She has a really great book, and we'll talk more about that. And then the last week of May, I'm going to have another naturopath on, uh, Dr. Wayne Pickering, and he'll be talking about food combining. And this is something I think that we have no idea about, and most people don't do, how to combine your foods so you don't create your own digestive issues. So we got a, a really good star-studded show, or shows rather, for the month of May. And then in June, what I wanted to do was really start getting into a wellness series. And I wanted your feedback on this, how you would feel doing a wellness series. I want to have a naturopath, and we'll do a show every Monday. And every Monday, that show will be on some aspect of wellness, and you'd be able to call in and ask questions and also have access to the stuff that's actually going to make you healthy. So if you have some feedback for me on that, uh, go into my Facebook fan page and drop me a note, or you can email me at Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at fat-man.com. And fat is spelled P like Paul, H like Harry, A like Apple, T like Tom, dashman.com. So Darren at fat-man.com. And just leave me an email and let me know what you think about that because it's the first time of me doing it. And, uh, again, I want to start that in June, the wellness series. And after June... Uh, probably within July time frame, uh, July, August time frame, what I'll start doing is having a show on Mondays and Wednesdays, and that's always been my plan to have two shows a week. So one will be on Monday and one will be on Wednesday. So hope you join me for that. Go to the Facebook fan page. Join me on the Facebook fan page. And also drop me an email. I left my email address and let me know if you have any questions that I can answer for you or if you have someone that you want to see or hear on the show, drop me an email on that. Thank you for listening tonight. I will see you at the same fat time, same fat channel. Peace.